The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. It's Thursday the 11th of May. You're watching Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer, on Talk. Coming up, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Wilby, has branded the government's plan to tackle illegal migration as morally unacceptable. Meanwhile, the government has scrapped their promise for a post-Brexit bonfire of EU laws by the end of this year, with only 600 of the 4,800 EU laws to be scrapped. And Donald Trump has mocked the woman he's been found guilty of sexually assaulting in a civil case, calling her a lying whack job to laughter from the audience at uh, the time right now is 6.33. This is Talk Breakfast. Well, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. Uh, lots more to talk about today. Obviously, Donald Trump's still in the news, but actually uh, leading the news today very much, it's the Archbishop of Canterbury. This after uh, the uh, government's illegal migration bill finally made it into the House of Lords. Uh, this came after a plea, a warning uh, from the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, uh, and Alex Chalk, the Justice Secretary, uh, basically saying, you know, don't defy the will of the British people and overturn this illegal migration bill to deal with the channel migrant boats. Uh, but uh, there was certainly a queue of peers lining up in the House of Lords to have their say in a long debate about uh, that law. And it was the Archbishop of Canterbury who said that the illegal migration bill was morally unacceptable. Well, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, what's just basically, what is your reaction, whether it's to the Archbishop um, having his say, uh, getting involved in politics once again, bearing in mind just you know, a few days ago, he was in a constitutionally religious ceremony, putting the crown on the king's head and on the queen's head in that role. And now he's making what is effectively a party political point in the House of Lords. Do you have an issue with that? Are you glad he's spoken out? Is he wrong to get involved in politics? Is he wrong simply to say that it's morally unacceptable? What's his solution? One of the papers today is saying, you know, what, you know, give us an alternative. Love to hear your thoughts. Anyway, tweet me at Talk TV. Text the word TALK to 8722 and we'll get as many of your thoughts on it as we can. First up, let's get the thoughts of Alan Tolhurst, Chief Reporter at Politics Home. Good morning. Morning, Julia. Um, you watch Parliament very closely. Mm. There's certainly a lot of worry in the government that um, this, this bill that's gone through the House of Commons quite a lot of challenges from the left and the right of the Conservative yeah. Party in terms yeah. of what measures are in there. Um, but very much concerned where they don't have a majority in the House of Lords, uh, that actually it's going to be basically ripped to shreds. Yeah. And we're going to have this ping pong. Um, now, ultimately, peers are not elected. Um, the House of Commons is superior, but they do have a lot of people, very prominent figures like the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin yep. Welby. And when they pronounce on these subjects we know as we can see from today it's front page news yeah. what do you make of what the archbishop said yeah it's interesting uh, I, I think that about whether it's right for him to get involved politically i mean the fact is that we have a system where bishops are in the legislature i mean that's a strange and they have 26 is it 26? exactly yes. yeah it's a strange system where we have uh, bishops of the of, of one particular denomination of church automatically in the upper legislature, which is a slightly strange situation that I probably would, wouldn't But we, keep we have an established charge. church. I mean, sure. we just had a king who was coronated, you know, in Sure, but showing another country where yeah. you get elected bishop and you end up in the, you end up being able to yeah. pronounce on laws. It's yeah. a slightly strange one. I mean, I think, you know, looking at laws in terms of morally, what's morally acceptable and morally unacceptable, it's not really the way that I would look at things. I think the, the point I often make is that this is, this is clearly 
you know, the, the government trying to come down as hard as possible on the parts of illegal migration they want to really stamp out. The fact is that people say, well, look, you have to have in place plans to be able to allow people to come to this country safely if they are fleeing war, torture, persecution. And the fact is that the government have not set up these safe and legal routes for people, which therefore means that there's a good chance that this this bill as a dragnet will pick up those people and prevent people yeah. who have legitimate legitimate rights to come here and claim asylum from not being able to do so and it's sort of like if this is the sort of the bad part the the, the nicer part needs to be in the place at the, t- at the time and, and while it's not oh. it does leave us looking you know quite um quite you know on 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 uh, nice for to people to come on, to on the nice oh, well, i'm trying to work I'm out no, yeah, i'm trying, I'm trying to, a way of saying it i'm awesome. trying to not uh, but, yeah but, not, but, not just, directly just, quote the archbishop but, to yeah. a certain extent again we are talking you know it, this is a moral issue. I mean, it is a moral issue, but it's also a practical issue. Yeah. Let's have a little listen to what Justin Welby actually had to say uh, in the House of Lords yesterday. We need a bill to stop the boats. We need a bill to destroy the evil tribe of traffickers. The tragedy is that without much change, this is not that bill. It is morally unacceptable and politically impractical to let the poorest countries deal with the crisis alone. My Lords, this bill is an attempt at a short-term fix. It risks great damage to the UK's interests and reputation at home and abroad, let alone the interests of those in need of protection or the nations who together face this challenge. There's an obsession, isn't there? I always pick up on these things. It's the our reputation abroad. It's this idea that, you know, if there's a breach of this, this law or, or a <coughs> yeah. change in a certain policy, that somehow that, you know, the rest of the world's going to be going, oh, this terrible country. I, mean, I really don't think that the rest of the world is thinking about us. I don't think with this moral leader. It's like this idea about no. the reason why we've got this insane net zero policy is because we're supposed to be leading the world in this. Everyone else is going, you're mad, impoverishing your country. And they're not following us. Um, but th- this is it. He's saying it's politically impractical and we shouldn't leave this particularly to the poorest nations to do with. Well, that's the reality. It's the poorest nations next door. It's not, you know, Bangladesh isn't taking people from Sudan because it's not a neighbouring country. Funnily enough, countries neighbouring Sudan are taking Sudanese, uh, you know, refugees, etc. I mean, that's how it works. If there was something awful, it was a horrible military coup in Ireland, we'd be taking Irish refugees. That's you know, Poland, and you know, is taking Ukrainians. That's how it works. And again, you know, there, there are a lot. There are lots of war-torn problem, places in the world. How many of those do we have a duty to, and how do we choose? Because you're not going to be able to take all of them. We can't take, you know, forty million people from Sudan. No. So, so who are we going to take? Who do we choose? I'll tell you who we don't choose. We don't choose able-bodied young men who can afford four or five grand to pay a people smuggler on the shores of Calais. So those people who are coming across on those boats, even if you did have safe and legal routes and you could apply from your home country, they wouldn't be on that list anyway, unless we were taking anyone who applied. But we're not going to take anyone who applied because the British people, quite sensibly, are going to insist on a quota. And that quota ain't going to include able-bodied men of fighting age. Simple as that. Right. But at the same time, there could be able-bodied men of fighting age who are the ones who are being persecuted directly because they're on the opposite side of a conflict and therefore are yeah. victims, are, are, are potential victims of torture and that sort of stuff. So I think the problem with the quota is that if you get to, say, you got three quarters of the way through a year and you're pushing up against your quota and then there was a tremendous humanitarian disaster somewhere. Would you then say, oh, well, actually, no, we've 
we've, we've, our quote, our, we've hit our quotas yeah quotas never really work in, in that sense and they don't and yet if there isn't a limit I mean we look we've got legal I mean legal migration is becoming a, a much bigger political football yeah um, because the huge numbers you know oh, let's have another half a million people not a problem off you go where are these people going to live I mean where how are they going to get on GPs lists where where, where are their children yeah. going to go to school we're not building any of the infrastructure for this yeah. people haven't you know as we've discussed earlier we've got you know um, half of 20 to 24 year olds living at home with their parents not through choice not because you know mum's still doing the laundry and there's a fridge full of food which i'm sure is a factor that makes yeah. it easier but because they can't afford to go and rent somewhere yeah. um and let alone buy me <laughs> can't buy somewhere at that age of course not um but but this is so you know whereas our parents our grandparents might have been able to do that um and and, and this is the thing this this hits into everything the, i mean this is an existential battle politically for rishi sunak isn't it there's no doubt at all about that he stands in front of a, a podium that says stop the boat yeah you know so clearly uh you know if he's going to turn things around this has to work and therefore that's yeah. why this and the, the, the fear of the government at the moment you talked about the about the house of lords shredding it the house of lords will not eventually the house of lords will pass this because of the way that their their powers and the convention means that eventually they will allow this to pass it's how long it takes and how how much of a fight the government has to get yeah. to get it through and with not a lot of time until the summer there's a good yeah. chance that this ends up falling off the statute doesn't make it onto the statute book and has to be carried over into the next mm-hmm. parliamentary session in which case it won't even start to come into force until the autumn yeah. or the winter and and Rishi Sunak's plea uh, pledge to to get rid of the backlog and to stop the boats yeah, none of that's going to happen will disappear before but he then gets the, a chance is to the battle in the next election is which party would actually you, you know oh it's the lefty lawyers it's the civil mm. service uh, give us are, the mandate to be able to yeah, do it yeah who are stop yeah but they've already got the mandate to do it well yeah he's got massive majority yeah Yeah, but yeah but that's the thing isn't it is that going to still be the battle um talking of laws you know and and Mm. filling off statute books and things like that um the government is ditching their plan for thousands of eu laws it's supposed to be 4,800 eu laws that were to be scrapped the idea was post-brexit we'd get rid of a lot of the laws that were unnecessary i really like that law about me having to have a dishwasher that has an automatic setting that's eco that takes 14 days to run to clean a couple of glasses that i'd like that i'd I'd like to have a vacuum cleaner that can actually suck and light bulbs that actually you know light up i mean i'm old-fashioned that those three things alone is good enough reason to vote brexit as far as i'm concerned good enough that wasn't why i voted brexit but good enough right but the idea was we would get rid of a load of the laws we don't really want and don't need um but of course someone's got to read the laws and there was a plan that at the end of this year basically yeah. they would these laws would just fall they would automatically no longer be valid and then a lot of people went um well, that that one's quite useful, and 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 the idea was you were going to replace anything you needed to replace. Yes, and they haven't got round to it. Government hasn't got the bandwidth to do it. Civil service haven't got the bandwidth to do it. There's yeah. not been the political will. Everyone's been busy fighting COVID and Brexit battles before then. No energy, and they the entire civil service working from home now. Um, and so they're going to only, we, we understand from Kimmy Bejanok, uh, the business secretary, we're only going to be having like 600 of those laws actually being, you know, being scrapped. Yeah. This won't, most people won't even notice any of this. No. But this is going to upset sort of a lot of diehard Brexiteers. Yeah, yeah. Well, this this bonfire is more of a sort of a small campfire <laughs> small now. smouldering. You, you can just sort of. No, it's what it is. It's one of those things you buy in the supermarket, it's little foil containers where you can, with a little bit of charcoal. It's one of those. Yeah, things, it's an it? instant barbecue rather than a, rather than a <laughs> <laughs> full, full bonfire but you know and, that, and that's you know the fact is that the government 
you know, they, they set themselves an unrealistic expect, unrealistic target. I mean, they've had a lot, a lot of those in the past week, but unrealistic target. And they, they briefed these huge numbers, 4,000. Yeah. It was 6,000 at one point. The idea that you would be able to line by line, because we don't know the consequences, because a lot of these laws have been woven into the UK statute book for decades, yeah. obviously, ever since we, we joined the, the European Union 45 or 50 years ago. So therefore, it, it's going to take a while to unpick this. Yeah. Even the most committed Brexiteer would, you know, understand that you have to make sure you know what laws yeah. you are taking off the yes, statute book. Yes, you can't just you go, oh, they're, they're done. Yes, because you, on January the 1st, you might suddenly realise, oh, we've actually no longer got a law in place for that. I and, mean, given, to be fair, in, in the defence government, I mean, given that no laws are actually upheld most no, of the right. time. I mean, but it's more I mean, technical stuff. You can more... burgle, you can shoplift, you could yeah. just, you know, go I, slow in the road if you're an Extinction Rebellion, although they're all coming down on that. Then, I mean, maybe it doesn't make any difference. Uh, we've got, we'll go to a quick break. We're going to talk about what's on the front pages and also talk about why the leader of the Welsh Nationalist Party, Plaid Cymru, has stepped down, resigned in what looks like something of a disgrace. What on earth is going on? We'll talk about that up next. This is Talk Breakfast. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Radio.